Burns and Gambo, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Meteor Row. Starting to thin out a little bit here on Media Row from downtown Phoenix. Our Media Row coverage is brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. It'll just get busier and busier as the week goes along and more and more media come to town. And, of course, it is a big deal celebrating Super Bowl 57. But we have some more pressing matters right now to get to here on Burns and Gambo. And that is the story that came down over the weekend before Kyrie Irving was traded to the Dallas Mavericks, a trade that was just made official moments ago. Before all that happened, it was reported by not one, but two NBA insiders that the Phoenix Suns were in on Kyrie with an offer that included Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and a first-round draft pick in exchange for Kyrie. According to Sham Sharania, the Nets wanted more. They wanted more picks, namely three first-round picks, and ultimately everything kind of fizzled out. But... As we speculated on Friday, Gambo, when Kyrie became available, wondering whether the Suns would get in on this, wondering whether they would make Chris Paul available in this. They did. By all accounts, they were in on Kyrie Irving at least having a conversation about whether this yeah. is something worth pursuing. Well, I, I, you know, I, I totally believe that. You know, Kyrie was not a player that I was able to rule out. I was not able to tell everybody. He's like, hey, can you squash it? No, I can't squash it. I cannot tell you that the Suns are not interested in Kyrie Irving. I, I believe that they are interested in Kyrie Irving. Do I believe that they made a bona fide offer? No, because that's not the way they do business. So I don't think that that Chris Paul was offered with Jay Crowder. I think what you do is you discuss parameters, you discuss things, but the Suns are very careful and they always have been. They do a really good job of not actually making, you know, going over the offer until they know they're going to be able to get a deal done because they don't want their guy's name out. You, you brought it up earlier. They did a great job of keeping Cam Johnson and Mikhail uh, Bridges' name out of trade discussions for Kevin Durant last year. They, and I had reported that they were adamant that they wanted to keep both guys and only give up the draft picks and expiring contracts and not give up any of those any of those two players but here's what happens when you're dealing when you're trying to do a rush trade like this and you're dealing with three different teams it's very likely that one of these teams is like you know the nets is saying well i got a better offer on the i got i got a better offer from phoenix knowing that you've discussed players with phoenix without getting an offer and that team may say to you like hey well, what, 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 what's Phoenix going to give you? Oh, they'd give us Chris Paul. They'd give us a first-rounder. They get Okay, so now you know you've got to kind of top it. So some, in some ways, the Nets could be playing these teams off of each other to get the better deal, and that's where a leak may have come. I, I would not go to the bank with the Suns made this offer of Chris Paul. I would not go to the bank with it. I think that there was probably a discussion. Names have probably been discussed. Now, in, in the end, if you could have got Kyrie Irving for Chris Paul, I mean, I told you, I would have done that. Yeah, yeah. I would have done it. I get seven, eight years younger. I get a guy that's a headache. I get it. But I do get a lot younger for a player who's very talented and can score. I mean, in some ways, what you're talking about is semantics. I, I, I think safe to say we can assume there were some conversations either internally or with the Nets, and some of those conversations were centered around Chris Paul. Was there a quote-unquote offer? No, but his I mean, name probably came up. obviously his name sure. came up. I, yeah, you got to match mean, salaries. You, you, know, you, you got to match salaries. You got to match salaries. In some ways, you got. it doesn't make any sense to bring in Kyrie Irving and keep Chris Paul. No, you can't do that. You can't do that, right? So, so, I mean, there's just simple logic here, and that and the fact that two, not always right, but still prominent premier NBA insiders both basically had the same information. Clearly, clearly it was discussed. Maybe not technically offered, but certainly internally and maybe externally, there's zero doubt in my mind that Chris Paul was discussed. So now the question is, 
It doesn't matter because it's not going to happen. Kyrie's going to Dallas. Do we wish it had happened? Are we regretful that it didn't? Do we? Did Ooh, we? That's a, that's a difficult question to answer because we don't know what the end result is going to be for the Suns. What if they get Kevin Durant at the trade deadline? I'd rather have Kevin Durant than Kyrie Irving. I would too. What if they get Kevin Durant in the summer? You blow this year's chance at the play with with Kyrie, but you get Kevin Durant for the next few years. So I think it's I think that's a to be determined. But if you're saying to me right now, listen. Role players help you win a lot of basketball games, but stars help you win in the playoffs. Stars help you win in the playoffs. Having guys like Kyrie Irving help you win playoff games, help you win playoff series, can help you win a championship, more so than good role players. Good role players will help you win a lot of games, but in the playoffs, you need your star players to perform. We've always, I've always said this. For the Suns to win a championship, Chris and Devin have to be great. Mm-hmm. That's it. they got to be great. If they're great, they can win. If they're not, they won't. But I would have... I would have... Yes, I would have liked Kyrie Irving here. As much of a headache as he is, he is a dynamic player in this league with a gifted ability to score the basketball at almost any time. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna repeat what I said on Friday. I, I. I would have been super intrigued, and I think it would have been an upgrade. I just don't think I would have wanted Kyrie here any longer than just this season. Uh, and just because I, I think with a guy like Kyrie, no matter where he's at, no matter who's around him, it's bound to go sideways. Yeah, it will go sideways. And even if he had come here, and even if he had liked it here, it was inevitable. It was going to go sideways. And so, in you know, like I, we talk about these windows, right? Window number one, window number two. Window number one is the short-term win-now window, and window number two is the more big picture. Kyrie coming here, I love it for window one. Everything about it says win right now, win this year, go win a championship. Window number two, I would have hated Kyrie in a Suns uniform. You know why? He would have screwed it up. Yeah. He would have done something. He would have said something. Mm-hmm. He would have got suspended, misbehaved, gotten suspended. He would have screwed it up. Guaranteed. And so in that regard, I'm very glad the Suns didn't do anything with Kyrie. New York Daily News today, the front page. Nets deal Kyrie to Mavs for... Oh, who cares? He's finally gone. He's your headache now. See, there you go. That's your New York York Daily News headline. Nets deal Kyrie to Mavs for, oh, who cares? He's finally gone. He's your headache now. They're happy to get rid of him. He was a pain in the ass. They couldn't wait to get him. They were Mm -hmm. happy to get rid of him. Yep. I don't even care what they got back. Just, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm a a big addition by subtraction guy. Now, I don't know, you know, they, they feel that this is better for the Nets. We'll see going forward haven't played any games yet. We'll see how they react with him gone and the new players that they brought in. Yeah, we'll see. Um, uh, and that's why, in the short term, it just would have been such a boost, man. It would have been, it would have been wow, so that's some serious juice right there. But anything beyond that. As far as Chris, um, he said all the right things after practice today. Monty said all the right things after practice today. I, we'll, we'll talk more about this a little later on in the show. I, I will just say I woke up this morning worried that Chris Paul wasn't going to like this. And just over the course of the day, I'm not that worried about it anymore. He'll be fine. He'll, he'll be fine. He'll deal with it. He'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. Now Chris, the, He's trying to win a championship. Yeah. That's now the it, question is, how much of a threat did the Dallas Mavericks just become? How dangerous are they now in the Western Conference that did they've see, got did Luka? You see the, did you see the grades on this? Yeah, I did. I got two minutes here. The, the, the Mavs got ripped. They got, ter- they got terrible grades. They right, got they Gambo-like got, grades. Right. How... 
how do you get the best player in the deal? <laughs> and just, and then just reread that New York Post headline. That's all you got to do. I know. Re- reread I, the New York Post headline. That's I that's know. why they got ripped. But you the, know, I, I you know I was I was fascinated by the grades, and here's what it is: they they gave the Nets. The the uh, the Nets got a B plus. Talking about ESPNs now. ESPNs. ESPN gave the Nets a B plus. They gave the Mavs a D. The Mavs got a D. <laughs> the Mavs got a D. Says the Mavericks would have been better off simply re-signing the younger Jalen Brunson for the max, if that's what it took to retain him last summer, then giving up a first-round pick and a key contributor for Irving. Mavericks are 28-19 and in games Luka played, and they are 0-7 when he doesn't play. He goes, defensively, the Mavericks have tumbled from 7th to 24th. Adding, after adding Irving and subtracting Finney Smith surely won't help them. There, though Dallas could expect better interior defense when Maxi Kleber returns. Um, they didn't like the trade. And usually the best player, you win the trade when you get the best player, which is shocking. This, this might have been our boy Kevin Pelton that did this. But they actually gave the Nets a B-plus, and the Mavs got a D. And the best player, clearly the best player in his deal is Kyrie Irving. And they weren't the only one. The Athletic gave um, gave the Nets a B, and they gave the Mavericks a C-plus. That's how polarizing Kyrie Irving is. It's not like the Nets got. They got one first-round pick, and it's in like six years. I know. It's in like six years. Gambo, there's just, you know this. There are, are, there's high-maintenance diva superstars. (laughs) There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's Kyrie Irving, right? Like, he's just, he's got his own level of diva niche. Is that a word? Diva, diva, diva. Yeah, the diva-ish. He's just, he's got his own, he's got his own level, his own floor. He's he's, and and so like personally, like okay, I'll read the ESPN write up about this because I think this kind of sums it up really, really well. Okay. All right. Um, in giving Dallas a D, given the ticking clock on Doncic's free agency, I understand the urgency for Dallas to take a risk in order to win now. However, based on Irving's track record of becoming unhappy with his team at inopportune moments, I would not risk my superstar player's prime betting on him. And that's exactly what the Mavs have done. They're betting the prime of Luka's career on him and Kyrie figuring it out on the floor. That is a risky bet. Luka's a one-man show over there, man. He's got no help. I get it, but the help... The, 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 uh, this is the a, devil this he is just a, signed up with, man, is... It's a huge risk for them. It's a huge risk for them. How many guys wouldn't have been a risk? Oh, I mean... Kevin Durant would have been a risk. Not he's, like, in, he's not, injured a lot and he's old. I like Kyrie. I'm telling you, Kyrie's on a whole new level. Whole new level. He is so unreliable. He's such a head case. He really is. No, I, I mean, I get it. I get it. I think there's a lot of risks out there. But, yeah, he could, he could implode at any time. Yeah. Flavortown is pulling up right across the street from the big game this Sunday. Join Guy Fieri, uh, Diplo, and over 20-plus food vendors for the ultimate tailgating party. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. So, is Kevin Durant now the priority for the Phoenix Suns? Is Kevin Durant now available for the Phoenix Suns? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, Kevin Durant. Watch the latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo.
Now, this is where this story really gets interesting. Okay, so Kyrie Irving gets traded to the Dallas Mavericks over the weekend. The Suns reportedly uh, were discussing an offer with the Nets that would have included Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and a first-round pick. Didn't happen, okay? And Chris Paul, we'll, we'll get into this a little later. Chris Paul made some comments today before practice in which he said he understood. It's a business. He gets it. He's not going to take it personally. Monty expressed a little bit of dismay that Chris's name got out there. But okay, whatever. It's Kyrie's in Dallas now. The question that lingers, and it's going to matter in the offseason, and it's going to matter here in a couple of days for the trade deadline. Does this mean that Kevin Durant is available again? Does Kyrie Irving being traded put Kevin Durant in a position where he says, you know what, on second thought, never mind. Get me the hell out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. Hasn't said that? Hasn't said it yet. So no, right now I would say no, that he's not available. Doesn't mean the teams won't call to try to get him. Doesn't mean that not a lot of teams out there won't, won't call the uh, the Nets and say, hey, you know, you're just assuming that if that. But if I'm the Nets, I, I want to see if I can make this thing with Durant work. So I'm going to see if this combination of a couple players that I got and a plan, you tell them a plan, here's what I'm going to do. Look, obviously, the trade deadline's still coming up. They might be able to do something else. Yep. They just acquired a first-round pick. I mean, they could use that in a trade package to go get. I don't think the Nets are – I think here's how you'll know what they're doing. If they're if they're making trades to acquire assets, then they're going to trade Durant in the summer. If they're trading assets to acquire players, then the plan is to keep Durant. Yeah, and I I I certainly don't think Kevin Durant is going to be available at the trade deadline. I, I, that to me, I think, is one we can just rule out. I, I'd be very, I doubt it. I I'd doubt be that. Very very surprised if unless something really changes. Now you said he hasn't asked out yet. And he hasn't. Could that change in 24 hours? Do we wake up tomorrow morning to a breaking tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski that Kevin Durant has requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets? At this point, it wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't be shocked if we got a tweet like that. But the fact that it hasn't happened yet is noteworthy. I re- even if it happened, I don't think the Nets would move him at the deadline. I think the Nets would do exactly what you're talking about. Let's do everything we can to make Kevin Durant happy. Let's surround him with the kind of assets that he wants, that he needs in order to make it feel like he wants to be a part here and he wants to stay here. I wouldn't be surprised if the, it's why, if you missed it, one of the big stories of today was that apparently the Kyrie to Dallas trade was on hold, in part because the Nets were trying to loop in a third team. They were trying to loop into a third team. Reportedly, the Raptors, they wanted to send Spencer Dinwiddie to Toronto for Fred Van Vliet. Why? Clearly to keep Kevin Durant right. happy, right? So to think that they would trade him at the deadline, unless somebody calls and makes you an offer that you're just like, okay, I can't pass this up. But clearly they didn't get those offers in the summer. No. Now, but things were different in the summer too. Let's let's be let's be honest about that, right? Kyrie was around. They still wanted to give it one more go with Kyrie and Katie. Things have changed now in Brooklyn since the summer. Yes. The other thing that's changed is that a year, almost a year, is off that contract. Yes. So you look at that massive contract he signed. What was it like one hundred ninety million dollars? I believe it was almost two hundred million. I think it was one ninety eight. Okay. But, you know, if you traded for Durant in the summer, that's one whole year and forty million dollars, forty something million dollars. That's gone. Yeah. That you don't owe him. So that brings now you do get him a year older. That's the problem. Yeah. You do get him a year older, but you also. 
you also get a, a lot less of a contract with Durant because one year has gone off the deal. Yeah, I, I mean, unless something changes in the next 24 to 48 hours and Kevin Durant demands a trade, I, I, I don't think he's available at this year's deadline. I think the much more pertinent question, the question that matters more, is now do the Suns hold back assets they would have traded on Thursday and save those assets for a potential Kevin Durant trade in the summer? That's a great question. That is the, no, you know what? It, it's, it's the question. Yeah. It is really the what, only question what can now. You, what can you get? Like, well, you know, what? It, it depends on what you can get. Of course. But... <sighs> In order to get Durant, you're going to have to have all those assets. So if you do something, okay, like the Mavericks. The Mavericks can't get Kevin Durant. Nope. Okay, they've given up draft picks. Right. So they have to wait to the summer just to unlock a third one. It depends on what, what you really – do you really think that you can get Durant? If you do, then you you go back to the Nets with the same offer. Here's all my draft picks and expiring players, and let's get this done. Because I tell you what will piss Suns fans off to no end is that if you say, okay, you know what? We're going to save our assets. We're not going to trade them at the deadline. We're going to make another run at Kevin Durant. And then you don't get him. Only to sit around and wait all summer like we did last year to not held get Kevin host- Durant. You're held hostage. You're held hostage by this dream that may or may not actually have bearing in reality. Right? All these other guys. Yep. And, and and it's what and the the prospect of that, I guarantee you, pisses off Suns fans. Yeah. It's just because oh, man, we're not doing that again. What we we and that's the thing is you if you're the Suns, you have to reasonably obs- assess will the Nets actually make Kevin Durant available in the summer? And you kind of have to read the market before the market develops, and that's hard to do in this league. But if they look at it and go, you know what, no matter how bad it gets, we're not going to be able to make a deal with them. It's just not going to happen. Then you move on, and you see what's available this year at the deadline, and you decide to make those. Like, I'm all for Kevin Durant. I want Kevin Durant on the Suns in the worst kind of way. But at some point, you, you can only... <laughs> You can only ask the girl out so many times before you decide to ask a different girl out, right? Oh, I never had that problem. Oh, God. Would you tell me about it? I'd like to hear it. Mm-hmm. So what happened? You would ask a girl out. She'd say, uh, honestly, how does this work? Seriously. I don't know anything about it. Uh, honestly, I, I don't, some, there are some days I don't even know why I talk to you other than the fact I get paid to do it. <laughs> seriously, why don't no. I even talk to you? So but, you'd, be, you'd be asked about it? No, I mean, I mean really, right honestly. Uh, I mean, honestly. <laughs> I, if you're capable of telling the truth with something like this, and I really doubt you are. You mean to tell me you never got told no by a girl when you asked her about on a date? Ever. Oh, no. you're lying. I'm not lying. You lie. You lie. I'm not I'm you not lying. lying. You lie. That's the truth. You're lying to mm-hmm. make yourself feel better about I'm yourself. Not. You've been told no. I assure you, you've been told. If that's I'm, so, you're no. the only man in the history of men to ever ask a girl out and never be told no. You are lying. Wow. I'm on my own? That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I stand alone. Mm-hmm. You stand my, my own island. Uh, yeah. Your own island. <laughs> Surrounded by your own BS. That's what's on this. That's the, what your island is made of. I cross your my heart. Your own nonsense. I cross my heart. Mm-hmm. Liar. Liar. <laughs> I cross my heart. Hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. Where are the needles? Where are the needles? I, I'm telling you. Uh, you're, you're telling me lies is what you're telling me. I, I'm, I'm telling you. I don't think I, I don't think that happened. Well, for the rest of us mere mortals who you obviously are clearly above, 
you ask a girl out many, many times, and she keeps yeah. telling you no. Eventually, you ask somebody else out. I know this is a foreign concept to <laughs> Hercules over here. God, you're just, you are seriously absurd. Absolutely absurd. No, but I really think that's the truth. I don't think anybody ever told me no. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody ever said no. Mm-hmm. You kind of got to know that they want to go out with you before you ask them. Uh, you know what? See, that was never my problem. I did, did you ever think that maybe there's more to life than being really, really, really <laughs> ridiculously good looking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't help it, Bernsey. I was kind of irresistible. Oh, God. I was a nice guy. That's our little secret. Uh-huh. You know, and the bad news is that he and I carpooled today, so I have, to, <laughs> I have to listen to this crap in the car, too, on the way home. I mean, seriously, it's like... Uh, I it's think like, I would know if somebody told me no. I think so. I think I would remember that somebody said no to me. No, I never was told no. Okay, let's move on. That's the truth, though. I was oh, never told oh, no. Oh, we're moving on. Yeah, we'll move oh, on. I was never told on. no. We had news regarding the Cardinals coaching search today, and then there is the lingering question about one of the candidates, the internal one. What's the future of Vance Joseph? The latest on the Cardinals coaching search is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. Cardinals head coaching search update. update. It's down to two for the Arizona Cardinals. As and then there were two. And then there were two. Lou Anarumo, defensive coordinator of the Bengals. Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator of the Giants. According to reports, those are the only two candidates at this point after Brian Flores has withdrawn his name from consideration. Those three were scheduled to get second interviews this week. Flores instead chose to take the defensive coordinator's job with the Minnesota Vikings. And yes, we're all still trying to get to the bottom of that and figure out exactly why a coach would turn down a second interview to be a head coach in order to take a defensive coordinator's job. Right? It's such a mystery right now. If you're still the candidate for the Cardinals, you could be a head coach. You know, like, there's only so many scenarios. One... You, you, you kind of got money or somebody tipped you off that you're not the lead candidate. You said, listen, I got a chance to take this defensive coordinator's job with the Vikings, and I just need to know, like, where are we? Okay, you're not going to get the job. Like, we like you, but, you know, you're probably not going to get the job. Okay, well, then you take it. The, the second thing is, you know, you, you know, when they were interviewing you, you were also interviewing them. And maybe there's, you didn't like what the plan was from the ownership. Maybe you didn't like the amount of money that they were willing to spend on your coaching staff. Maybe it was maybe something that you felt like, okay, I better off being a D.C. and going back into it next year and seeing if I can get a head coaching job when there's new opening. So I, that's a possibility, too. But then, like, why would you commit to a second interview? And, 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 that's, and both of those are reasonable. It's the why would you commit to the second interview part that, that kind of is the thorn in, the, in that theory. Like, okay, so he decided he didn't want the Cardinals. Okay, well, then why take a second interview? Is it possible he didn't commit? Is it possible the Cardinals just said, we're going to interview, our plan is to interview these three for a second time? Is it Without actually saying, I want to do a second interview? Maybe. I mean, is it possible it was misreported that Brian Flores was getting a second interview, or it wasn't reported clearly that maybe the Cardinals hadn't conveyed that to the Kim? Possible. I suppose it's possible. Um, 
it's it's baffling because I, and to me that's why the first explanation it's the simplest and so it tends to me to make the most sense is that somewhere along the way whether it was from somebody within the organization or outside of the organization he got word that he was not going to be the Cardinals choice and, and that it was going to go to Kafka or Anarumo and that's the reason why he took the DC job um, it, it's baffling it's weird and, and some more bonus today we've got a little extra on the show um, so it's o'clock we'll talk about what has been a troubling trend this offseason and that's teams that's people telling the cardinals no i think this is like the fourth time someone said yeah no thanks to the arizona cardinals is it the fourth time i believe so ian cunningham ryan flores dan quinn and um oh uh uh d'amico ryan's d'amico ryan told him no yep nope i'm good i'm gonna cancel four Four different. Yeah, everybody's so you know everybody was like like that story that came out last week. Where I, th- I thought it was a bunch of garbage on. Oh, people are reluctant to work with Kyler. If anything, it's more the ownership. Do you feel comfortable working with this ownership? That Kyler thing, like you know, he's a talented kid. Go get the most out of him. It's it's the ownership that you question. Do people feel confident that they're going to be? Look, he fired Steve Wilkes after one year. Mm-hmm. I mean, do people feel confident that they'll get a fair shake here? I, I think that they will. I think Michael Michael definitely wants to win. How, what level of commitment he's at, I don't know. But I do think that Michael wants to win. He did make the changes. Steve's gone and Cliff's gone. And <clears throat> he is casting a wide net and interviewing a lot of people. So the question really is, if these people are saying no, what's the reasoning? Well, you know, why? I mean, it's, you know, I didn't think the Cardinals had the, were the best job out there. I told you I thought Denver was. No, I didn't I didn't think the Cardinals had the best job either. I mean, I, I think it can also be a little bit of both. I think some people can look at the Kyler Murray situation in between him and his injury and his contract, and they can say, you know what, not for me. That That's just not. I, there are other situations I'd rather immerse myself in, and that's not the one. Ownership, without question, I think that can play a role for some people people like like that's just not an organization that historically has had a lot of success and I'm going to be pushing a rock uphill when I, if I take that job and I, and I don't want to do because of all the things kind of working against you for a job like that um, it, it just is it, it's in this coaching search cycle man it's it's just a lot of for whatever reason I mean and it's a mixed bag right but just a lot of people saying yeah no I'm good I don't want to talk about that job and that's that's concerning that 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 to me is that to me is something that really needs to be investigated and needs to be talked about why are people saying no to this why are people saying oh pass never mind for flores it should be a no-brainer brian flores should want to have a second interview to be head coach with the arizona cardinals versus taking a defensive coordinator coach buda baker coach isaiah simmons saving collins zach allen byron murphy head coach in the nfl yep Mm -hmm. one of 32 should be a no-brainer why are you saying no i don't know why is he D'Amico makes sense because i think he the texans job he loved it he loved the Texan judge. So the D'Amico doesn't. I don't mind the D'Amico one so much. What were the other ones? Dan Quinn. And Quinn just. Something had to be told to him in Dallas. Yeah. Something had to be told okay. to him. So when you think about it that way, that's two coaching candidates who said, I'd rather be a defensive coordinator here than a head coach there. I'd rather be a defensive coordinator here than attempt to be a head coach there. That's alarming. 
that's that's that okay that's one of those wait a minute what's going on here because he, he you know I don't know what he, what Dan Quinn was promised in Dallas I I don't know why Brian Flores chose and again maybe it is being misreported about how the second interview he was going to have with the Arizona Cardinals but man of this list that we're making of people who have kind of said no to the Cardinals two of them chose to say no to be defensive coordinators not head coaches that's a red flag yeah that doesn't make a whole lot of sense that you would turn down an opportunity to be a head coach to be a, the, the, the difference in money yeah now big Fangio got four and a half million dollars but the difference in money being a head coach and having a you know, usually coordinators get like two year deals you know you're an op you're a you're a head coach you might get a five year deal four year deal yeah four or five year deal guaranteed money I mean like I think Cliff was getting about seven and a half a year say you came in at seven somebody gave you a four year deal but that's twenty eight million dollars a coordinator you're not going to make half of that in that time frame yep Let's talk for a minute about Vance Joseph. Um, he, there were a bunch of names that were ruled out over the weekend. Brian Callahan was ruled out. Aaron Glenn was ruled out. Uh, Vance Joseph was ruled out, the Cardinals defensive coordinator who interviewed for the head coaching job. Now, what's interesting about this story is that he still has a year left under his contract. And according to reports, now maybe this has changed, but as the most recent reports, he had not been released from his contract. There are reports the 49ers are interested in Vance Joseph as a defensive coordinator to replace D'Amico Ryans. But as long as he's under contract with the Cardinals, and if the Cardinals don't release him from that and allow him to speak to other teams, he's kind of stuck. The working theory is that the Cardinals are holding on to him in case they want to pair him as a defensive coordinator with Kafka if Kafka gets the job, the Giants offensive coordinator, if he becomes the head coach of the Cardinals. That is kind of the working theory. But is that fair to Vance Joseph to keep him from talking to other teams about other gigs or holding on to a job that may or may not be his when yeah, it's all said and done? The only thing that makes sense there is that if they're going to hire Kafka, they could keep Vance and his staff as the DC. Vance could stay as the DC. That's the only thing that makes sense. Of course. I don't think Lou Anarumo comes in here and keeps Vance Joseph as a DC. Not going to do that. He's a defensive guy. So to not let Vance go might lead you to believe that Kafka is the lead candidate. Because if Kafka is the head coach, you might he's 35 years old. Like You might say, listen, we're going to hire you, but we really want to keep Vance. We like him. At 35 years old, you get a chance to be a head coach. You might say, okay, I'm good with that. And yet, that might be the very reason why the Colonels are having a hard time attracting candidates. Because Mike Kafka should be able to pick whoever the heck Mike Kafka wants to be his defensive coordinator. He should not have that choice made for him by the organization. I get it. He's a first-time head coach. Yeah. But we played that game with Cliff four years ago. And I didn't like it then, and I don't like the idea of doing it again, to be but honest who with is you. Cliff's, who is Cliff's D.C.? It was Vance Joseph. Good hire. Pan- well, it's a good hire. It was good, it, it it was, good, hire. It was good hire, but 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 it 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 ignores the bigger point. And, and the you bigger can't point build your own staff is that yeah, if you're a head coach, you've got to be the head coach, right? You can't have somebody saying, "Well, you're the head coach, but we're going to handpick your defensive coordinator for you." That's not how it's and, and 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 just stuff like that might be part of the reason why the Cardinals are having people say no to them because no, man, I'm the head coach. I want to pick my defensive coordinator. I don't want to have it handed to me. That's the bro- Vance is a good coach. I want Vance to land on his feet, but I also want this to work the way it's supposed to work. And I feel like the way it's supposed to work is that whoever the next head coach is, they get to pick their defensive coordinator. They shouldn't have it have chosen for them. You know what I'm saying? Sure. No, I don't disagree with you. Okay. But the thing is, a 35-year-old coach, you might want to help him build his staff. Well, and listen, if you fire Cliff, you pay in him. If you got to fire Vance and the rest of his defensive coaches, you got to pay them too. That's a, that's more millions of dollars. Now, so that money could come into play here. I don't know, 
but they may really like Vance. Like, they interviewed him for the head coaching job. They clearly like him. So they might want to, or at least have Kafka speak to him. Like, hey, we don't want to let Vance go until Mike's had a chance to speak to him. Mike, we want you to at least speak to him. If you don't like him, okay, great. But if you like him, yeah. then, you know, he could be your guy. I'm not sure, but it is interesting that Vance has not been let out of that contract at this point, yeah, even though is. he's not a candidate to be the head coaching job, uh, head coach anymore. When we come back, Chris Paul's name was part of a leaked trade package over the weekend. How does he feel about hearing his name in that rumor? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Uh, what's on tonight? The games that we're going to watch this evening and Coyotes Hockey back from their NHL All-Star experience is on tonight. They're taking on the Minnesota Wild at 7 o'clock. You'll hear that game here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's why we've got a little bonus burns in Gambo today. We're with you until 6.30. So, uh, Coyotes Hockey coming up. All right, there you go. Tonight. Something to go. watch. Something to watch this evening. Yes. Arizona, Arizona State. Ar- Arizona State to a tough loss this weekend. Yes, they did. They took a tough loss. They, ASU took a tough loss. They have that taken game to Oregon is probably that might have that that might have put the nail on the coffin. Might have. have. That seems to be they're taking on too much water, Just way too much water. And now they've put themselves in a position where they're going to have to do something extraordinary, like beat UCLA on the road, beat U of A on the road, win the Pac-12 tournament. I, I mean, they're something something out of the ordinary. Their path to get yeah. in is going to require something unique and extraordinary. And I just don't know if this ASU team has it. In. That was a tough. Tough loss. Whereas U of A just rolled so bad over Oregon Man. State, they were able to sit most of their starters about halfway to the did, second they half. Tavellis and Crease had to beg for time out. Like, hey, coach, we're good. <laughs> Let the other kids play here. Purdue lost. The number one team in the country lost this weekend on the road in Indiana. They got down big. They made a run. They got it within two, but they ended up losing. And, of course, the Suns aren't back at it until tomorrow when they take on the Brooklyn Nets. So that is what's on tonight, the games that we're going to watch this evening. And, yeah, we are going a little late tonight. We're with you until 6.30 in our bonus segment. We are going to replay for you our interview with Stephen A. Smith from ESPN and ESPN.com. He's in town not only for the Super Bowl, but for a big book signing. He's got a brand new book that debuted on the New York Times bestseller list. And uh, he's in town for the Super Bowl and doing a book signing about that on Wednesday. And we were lucky enough to get Stephen A. on the show. So we'll replay that in our bonus segment probably around 6.15 or so. Let's have a conversation about Chris Gambo. I told you earlier that Chris Paul, seeing his name associated in these Kyrie Irving trade rumors over the weekend, the report was the Suns had at least discussed or offered Chris, Jay, and a draft pick to the Nets for Kyrie, and they were told by the Nets, that's a good starting point. We want more draft picks on top of that, and the, the conversations kind of fizzled out. Last night, this morning, Gambo, I was worried about how Chris was going to react to that. I'm not anymore. And before we even got on the air, I'm like, you know what? What am I worried about? Chris is going to be fine. It's Chris Paul. He's he he gets it, man. If anybody gets it, it's Chris Paul. We have to look back at what Chris has meant to this organization. And it might be tough for him because he hasn't been here for a long period of time. And he may want to feel wanted and loved and respected. And if he would have brought a championship to Phoenix that first year, my goodness, maybe we would have built a, a statue of him out there. Um, but they weren't able to do it. And now, you know, a couple of years later, you're starting to look at the end for Chris. I think we all knew that he was only going to be here for a short amount of time when they got him. But 
before Chris Paul, there was Ricky Rubio, who got the Suns some respectability. They mm-hmm. were respectable, mm-hmm. but they weren't even a playoff team. They went to the bubble and they went, but they went into, they didn't make the playoffs with Ricky Rubio. You get Chris Paul, you're in the NBA Finals. So the jump that the Suns took by getting Chris Paul was tremendous. You know, we could we should never forget what he's meant to the organization. And you know, maybe he feels you know some of these guys always felt this about Kurt Schilling. Like, what's your home? Like, where's your home? Is it Boston? Is it Arizona? Philly? Is it Philly? Like, where's your home? Like, you know, with Chris Paul, same thing. Like, what's his home? We know what is it? What what is the place? Is it Houston? Is it New Orleans? Is it, he, what, what's the place that he feels like? Okay, this is my this is where I am. You know, maybe he could have like you know. I think with Barkley, you know, hit the time here in Phoenix kind of makes him feel like he's a son. Um, so I think with Chris, this part of that, we're like, I, I mean, I did a lot for the Phoenix Suns. I maybe I should be respected more. And uh, but he understands it's a business. He understands he's getting older and had a chance to at least talk about somebody else that was a really good player and that you know made sense for them to do it. Quote. It's a business. I've seen crazier. The way I found out I was traded from Houston, for example, you just show up to work and be a pro day in and day out. Nobody's exempt from being traded. Find out just like everybody else. Just keep going to work. Also understanding teams are always going to do what's best for them. That's why players have to do the same. Show up. Got a job to do, and it is what it is. Close quote. Chris Paul today. And, and, he's, fine. And, he's fine. And, and you know what? And I felt better about Chris before I read those quotes. I really did. I didn't need to read those quotes from Chris today to feel better about Chris. I, I My worry was, I, I think, misplaced. I, I, look, if it were DeAndre Ayton, if it were Cam Johnson, if it were Mikel Bridges, if it were one of the younger guys, okay. I'd be a little worried. About yeah, going through it for the first time, yeah, or the second time, yeah. You'd be a little worried about how those guys would react to seeing their name, you know, be talked about like that with Chris. I, I because something you said resonated with me earlier in the show. Okay, strip it all away, and what does Chris Paul have? He's still the starting point guard and a key member of a team that might be good enough to win a championship this year. Right. Right? And at the end of the day, he can be as upset as he wants that that team was trying to upgrade over him. But when it's all said and done, he's still on that team. And he still has that chance. And that window is still there. And this team, when they get Devin Booker back, and depending on what they do at the trade deadline here in a couple of days, might be the favorite or one of the favorites to come out of the Western Conference right now. Okay, Denver's rolling. Man, Memphis is struggling. New Orleans is struggling. Big time. The whole West is wide. Oh, Curry's out for another month, right? right? The whole West is just screaming, begging for somebody to step up into the front, right? And say, okay, we got the lead. We got this. Why not the Suns? Why not Chris Paul? I think it's Denver right now. I agree. I think it's Denver. They're playing a really good brand of basketball. Jokic is probably going to get his third MVP. Probably. I think there's a chance he can get his third MVP. He's right there. And Murray's been good for them. So we'll see what they do, too. I think the, the, the trade deadline is going to be interesting because so many teams in the West can say, we're in this thing. And try to make a move to try to make them better. Yeah. But there's just not a lot. Of, but then that leaves a lot of teams that, you know, there's not many teams that you can trade with. No. There's very few teams. You could trade You could trade with Detroit. You could trade with San Antonio. But, like, there's, you know, you're not trading with Sacramento. We usually you could trade with Sacramento, but they're good. Like, there's too many teams that are in it and not enough teams that are out of it to where you feel like, okay, there's not a lot of players that are. But for all the teams that want to make a trade, there's not that many teams available to trade with. No. And that's why this deadline, you know, and in, in, in 
and his reporting over the weekend, um, Sham Sharania, you know, kind of went inside the Kyrie Irving trade negotiations, and he talked about the Lakers' offer, and he talked about how the Mavs ultimately won the deal, or at least won the trade. Um, about the Suns, he wrote about the offer, or at least the conversation of Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and a first-round pick. The offer was made within the first 18 hours of Kyrie's trade request, so that would have been what Kyrie's trade request came down Friday at noon. So for the next, until Saturday morning, the Suns were discussing Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, in a first-round pick, and then they lost interest and they didn't pick it back up. Here's the key line, though, to Shams' article. Quote, the Suns are expected to be incredibly active over the next several days to add to the roster, as Ishbia is expected to be a resourceful, open-minded team owner. And on the topic of Ishbia, by the way, I would encourage you to go to ArizonaSports.com with information that Gambo got that nobody else has about the ownership situation for the Suns, how much control HB is taking, how many of the people who are left from the previous ownership group that still have a chunk of the Phoenix Suns. It's all very detailed. It's great reporting. It all gives you a really good look at how Ishbia is is stepping into this and kind of who's left from the old ownership yeah, group. In a nutshell, Robert Sarver is selling all of his shares, 37%. Only one other company that's a part of the Suns ownership group is selling all of their shares. That's another 6%. There are three owners that are not selling any of their shares. That's a total of 22% ownership. And then the rest of the owners are selling about 25% of their shares. So I don't believe that there is any owner outside of one of the partners that sold out except for Robert Sarber and one other. Everybody else will still remain uh, limited partners in the Phoenix Suns ownership group led by Matt Ishbia. And if memory serves, you had said that when it's all said and done, Ishbia, his brother, their company, own about 57% of 57 the Suns? 57% of the Phoenix Suns okay. when it's all said and done. And uh, word I was getting is that it'll close tomorrow. It's okay. The deal is supposed to close tomorrow. We're still anticipating the Matt Ishbia press conference on Wednesday. We, we don't know that... It hasn't been announced, but that's the belief. I know you've been doing some reporting on that as well. We are expecting, we're all, let's put it this way, as a station, we're all kind of preparing that Wednesday is going to be the Matt Ishbia press conference day. We don't know that for a fact, but we're all kind of thinking that's going to be the day that it happens because it's been reported on multiple occasions that the NBA is going to give him control of the organization before the trade deadline, which is coming up on Thursday. How aggressive does Matt Ishbia want to be? How, what kind of a splash does he want to make? Does he defer to James, or does he come in and take charge of this thing right away and start making things happening right away at the deadline? It's going to make for a fascinating week for the Phoenix Suns. It really is. It's going to, I do not know at all what to expect from the Phoenix Suns this week, because Matt Ishbia is the ultimate wild card. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we'll, we'll know Wednesday Obviously, he's not going to be involved in anything up until the sale is complete because you don't want to risk anything and put anything in jeopardy. But there may have been some arrangements between him and Robert where, Robert, where he's allowed to like give some advice on what he's going to do, uh, how much he'd be willing to go on the budget. So James might have a little bit of a direction, but he'll get full direction once this thing is finalized tomorrow. All right, so when we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, Brian Flores has found himself a new job. It's not with the Arizona Cardinals. 
We'll tell you how that all went down next. Bonus Burns and Gambo right around the corner here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. and Gambo, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Meteor Row. All right, bonus Burns and Gambo here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, taking you right up until 6.30 when we've got Coyotes Hockey. They're taking on the Minnesota Wild here on the flagship home of the Arizona Coyotes. In the meantime, the we came into today with, you know, knowing we had a laundry list of things to talk about. We were going to talk about Chris Paul's rumored, you know, association with the Kyrie Irving trade. We were going to talk about Kyrie getting traded to the Mavs. We were going to talk about Kevin Durant. We knew we were going to talk about the three known finalists for the Cardinals' head coaching job, uh, Lou Anarumo and Mike Kafka and Brian Flores. All of this stuff we knew was going to be on the table. We knew it was going to be a really big... Oh, and of course, we're down here at Media Row for the Super Bowl. Gambo, what we did not expect to be talking about today was Brian Flores removing his name from consideration for the Cardinals coaching job. This makes no sense. That broke about a half hour into our show, and it was seriously like a, wait, he did what moment? Because the report was he was going to have a second interview for the Cardinals head coaching job on Wednesday. And it went from that to he has called the Cardinals to tell him he will not be interviewing with him because he's accepted a defensive coordinator's position with the Minnesota Vikings. And it, it, like we were chronicling about a half hour ago, man, that's four people who have said no to the Arizona Cardinals this cycle. Ian Cunningham, the assistant GM for the Bears, yes. said no. Danico Ryan. Danico Ryan said no. Dan Quinn said no. Brian Flores said no. And what's weird about Flores is that he had already said yes. He interviewed he once. Did interview, yeah. He said yes to a second unless interview. Unless he didn't like what he heard. <laughs> you know, unless he didn't like what he heard when he was interviewing. You know, look, it's down to two candidates. And it's going to, the, if they hire one of the two that's left, I mean, unless they expand the search, but it's going to be a first time head coach. Yeah. It'll be a first-time head coach. Now, I had gotten uh, information Friday that Mike Kafka was just blew him away. Had a great interview, really impressive, and I put him at the top of my list on Friday. I think everybody listening to the show knows that. And then Saturday it came out that Kafka was going to get another interview. And the other thing is Vance Joseph not being released from his defensive coordinator job with the Cardinals, even though he's no longer a candidate. Listen, if you hire Mike Kafka, he's only had two jobs in the NFL, Mm -hmm. the Giants in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know a whole lot of people. It's not like he's been he's worked for eight different teams like a lot of these guys. Yeah. So like when you're hiring a guy like that, you you might want to help him with the staff. I understand what you're saying. I I just don't like that we have to do that again because four years ago we did that with Cliff. I I, I don't want to have to hire a guy who's like, okay, we're going to hold your hand throughout this process and we're going to help you fill out your staff. Then then I don't want him as my head coach. You know, I I, I want somebody who's at least got enough coaching experience, whether he's a head coach or not, to, to be able to come in. And say, I'm putting together my staff. I'm not going to have you do it for me. I'm not going to have you hold my hand throughout this process. I, 
I, I feel like that's exactly what happened with Cliff in year one. I didn't like it then, and I don't like doing it again now because it kind of speaks to this idea of we're going to baby you through this. You know, we're going to nurture you along a little bit while you you kind of figure out how to be a head coach in this league. Man, I, I just I think if you're going down that path, then you're you, you got to reconsider. Maybe you're not hiring the right guy, no matter how good my Kafka is. I, I, I trust me. I, I'm not disputing the facts of what you're saying. I'm talking about an opinion here now of that's not how I would play it if I'm the Arizona because you tried that once before. Yeah, Steve Kime pick out practically every coach in Cliff Kingsbury's staff his first year here. I don't want another head coach you have to do that for. I don't. But you I already really know, don't. But you already know what you're getting. It's not like you're. It's not like you're hiring Mike McCoy. You're already getting a guy that you know and you like. You liked him enough to interview him for the head coaching. Job. I know. I know. I know. I. I think the new coach should have the full power to be able to say, I will fill out my staff however And then maybe I you do that with Cobb. But for the only thing is Cobb maybe Cop he wants Vance Joseph. I don't know. Maybe he's expressed an interest in keeping Vance Joseph to be his defensive coordinator. Maybe that's the, if that's the case. And remember, fine. he doesn't have a lot of experience yeah. coaching in at least 35 years old. I know. He doesn't have, he doesn't have 15, 20 years of coaching in a league where he knows everybody. Uh, you, you can spin it to me. You're not spinning it. You can explain it to me a hundred different ways. I still think it's a bad idea to go down that path again if that's what the Cardinals are going to do um, the Flores thing is interesting because it's it's you know why would he agree to a second interview if he didn't like the job why wouldn't he wait to have the second interview with the Cardinals before taking the Vikings job I mean unless the Vikings told him hey man it's it's take it or leave it we got to know right now are you going to be our DC or not which is a very aggressive move to take I, I I tend to think and I have no sources on this none this just makes the most sense to me that Brian Flores caught wind somewhere that he was not going to be the main candidate for the job. And for that reason, he said, you know what, if I'm if I'm not going to get this job and I'm just going through the motions of doing another interview just because I know Monty Austin Ford, I'd rather take the job I know I can get versus the one I've been told I'm not going to get. Sure. Now, again, I don't know if any of that's true. That just seems to be what makes, makes the most sense. It makes right? sense. Sure, it makes sense. I mean, you go to Monty, I got an opportunity to be the Vikings defensive quarter. I need to know, should I take this job or not? And Monty says, look, I'll, the only thing I can tell you is you're not the lead candidate. You know, we like you, but you're not the lead candidate. So, you know, I mean, if Monty would have said, listen, you're definitely the lead candidate. You're the guy I'm pushing for. Maybe he doesn't take the job. Maybe. So it is good. It is interesting. because Hopefully somebody at Brian Flores' press conference will ask him about <laughs> it. Because so I'd love to get some information on that. Um, and we, we just have to keep an eye on this. Man, everybody, not everybody. I don't want to oversell this. Four known people saying the Cardinals thanks, but no thanks. Ian Cunningham, D'Amico Ryans, Brian Flores, and Dan Quinn. Yeah. Good point by you. Two of which would rather be defensive coordinators than have a conversation with the Cardinals about the head coaching job. You know, that's like D'Amico Ryans, I get. He knew he was going to get the Texans job. I, I, I understand no that. No problem with that, yeah. Uh, no problem with that. Um, the Ian Cunningham one, I mean, he said, that was early on, too, where he's like, yeah, no, I, I don't want to interview with the Cardinals. That's concerning. That, to me, is a concerning thing.